Good morning, and welcome to the Revelation Power Podcast. This is episode 138, and uh, I have been off for a few days. I've had a bout with the flu, so my voice sounded more like Barry White than it sounded like me. So I didn't want to, uh, I didn't want to mislead you into thinking uh, Barry White was doing my podcast. So I took a couple days off, but uh, I'm happy to be back. I'm probably still a little rough, but uh, uh, thank you for those of you who inquired. Every time I take a couple days between episodes, I start to get messages that say, "Where's the next one? What are you doing?" One guy calls me a slacker, so. Uh, I'm not slacking. My original goal was to post a podcast each week so that I have some time in between to study. Um, But typically I'm able to do uh, two or three a week at least. And so some of you have gotten used to that pace and that's what you'd like me to do one every day, but that's a little much. Um, But I try. It's interesting to me that no matter when, at what time of day, I publish an episode of the podcast within 24 hours. There are five or six of you who've already listened to that episode. And within 48 hours, there are 15 or 20 who've already consumed that episode. It really is interesting. Um, And then if I go 48 hours without publishing one, someone sends me a message and says, come on, I'm waiting for the next one. Um, I appreciate the motivation and the encouragement, and and I'm very grateful that anyone listens at all. Uh, I do this to try and be of value, uh, to try and grant you some insight or some encouragement to be involved with God's Word, exactly what we're going to talk about today. But uh, thank you for checking on me when I was sick. Thank you for encouraging me to uh, to jump back on. So we'll go on without further ado. Uh, John chapter 6, beginning in verse 41. Um, this is part of a big section of Jesus' responses to the capital J Jews, the teachers and the Pharisees. Probably his own teachers who taught him Uh, when he was studying to be a rabbi. So we'll talk about that in a moment as well. But that's who these comments are are pointed at. These are not commentary for the populace. These are answers to criticisms that were leveled at him by religious authorities, the religious elite of his day. So he gives them this whole thing about being the bread of life and and raising people up on the final day. Those are messianic roles. Um, and so verse 41, and so the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. He's either claiming to be manna, the bread of life, which he is, or he's claiming to be the Messiah, which he is. So you can see why it would cause them theological grief. They said, 
is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, his father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? So Jesus answered them, Stop grumbling among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. I tell you the truth. Whoever believes has eternal life. It's the second time he said that in about four paragraphs. I tell you the truth. Whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. You see how many times he's repeating this? It's because they don't get it. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread. Remember that. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Again, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me will also live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. There's a lot here. And it all has to do with decoding the mission and the person of Jesus. And John has already given you the single key to decode it all. But you read past it very quickly in chapter 1, and so you've probably lost the key by now. We'll get it back for you. The Johannine confusion is thick with these guys. They grumble, they argue among themselves because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And some of them said, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph, his mom and dad we know, how does he say he's come down from heaven? The fact that they're grumbling among themselves, that they're arguing, means that there are a group of them who believe him. Nicodemus himself said, we know you've come from God because no one could do the things you do unless God had sent him. So we know which side Nicodemus is on. And Nicodemus represents that side of the, of the religious leaders who believe Jesus has come from God. Then there's the other side 
the side that doesn't believe in the miraculous, the side that doesn't believe in a resurrection, the side that only believes what they can see, who says, no, this is Jesus, son of Joseph and Mary. We know his parents. He came to school with us. We've taught him. He's just like any other guy. How could he say he came down from heaven? Jesus says, stop arguing. Doesn't accomplish anything. You yourselves teach that no one could come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. There's an eternal truth right there about the grace and the Spirit of God. In the denominational tradition in which I was raised and educated, we have a, a, a doctrinal statement about that. Uh, we have a construct. We call it prevenient grace. It's the fact that God is at work drawing people to himself even before they're aware that they need him. If something's convenient, then it's there when you need it, right? The convenience store has the stuff you might need right now. If something's prevenient, it's there before you even are aware that you need it. And, and in my tradition, we believe grace is that way. That unless God calls you, you won't come. And you won't yet know that you need him or be aware that he's calling you. But he's drawing you. Other denominational traditions see this in different ways and call it by different things. The end result is the same. If God doesn't call you, you're not coming. No one comes to the Father except through the Son. And no one comes to the Son unless the Father draws him, you see. Jesus says, you yourselves teach that no man comes to any other man except by an appointment of God, right? They had to nod their heads. They all agreed with that. No one comes to me unless the Father draws him. And those who come to me, I'll raise up on the last day. He's clearly claiming a messianic role here. He's in charge of the resurrection to eternal life. It is written in the prophets, is it not? And they will all be taught by God. Again, all the teachers have to nod their heads. They taught him that the prophet said that. He knows that. They know that. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He alone has seen the Father. I tell you the truth. Whoever believes has eternal life. Now that's a truth that condes or that transcends, doesn't condescend, transcends Judaism or Christianity. That's the heart of eternal truth right there. The Jews believed that if a person believed they had a place in the resurrection, they would inherit eternal life. Christians believe, most Christians believe, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. The words of Jesus that we print on a card in verse form and 
display at all of our football games. We all believe that whoever believes has eternal life. None of us has a God so capricious that he would sentence someone who believed in him to eternal separation from God. That's not how God works. So we all agree that whoever believes has eternal life. That's Jesus' words. I didn't make it up. If you disagree with that, you've got a bigger argument than with me. You'll have to go ask Jesus why he's wrong. Not something I'm going to do for you. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they died. But this is the bread that comes down from heaven so that you may eat it and never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. John chapter 1. The word became flesh and pitched his tent among us. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. By him were all things created. And without him, nothing was ever created that has been created. In him was life. And that life is the light of men. And the light shines and continues to shine into the darkness. And the darkness has never understood it or overcome it. It is that word in the first chapter that becomes flesh and comes to live among us. When Jesus says, if you don't eat my flesh, if you don't consume my flesh and blood, my very essence, my very being, you won't have eternal life. He's not talking about cannibalism. John has given you the key already. He's talking about the word. Not just the printed word, but the living word. The word to which the printed word points. The word about which the print informs us. The nature and the heart of God. That that Holy Spirit peace that indwells people that we consume and then it consumes us. It's what he was telling Nicodemus. It's what he's trying to tell these guys. If you don't take me in and and consume me so that just like your food, I become part of you, then you won't have eternal life. And they argue about, what is this, cannibalism? That's not what he's talking about. As the living Father sent me, verse, what is this, 57? As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father. So whoever consumes me 
will also live because of me. Just like the Father grants me life, I will grant you life. I will make you one with the Father and myself. This is what he's going to pray when we get to chapter 17. Start to think about this. This is what Jesus wants, is to incorporate you and me by his Holy Spirit into the exact same relationship that he shares with the Father. He's inviting you to join the Trinity. Crazy, I know. But you'll see it all along the way if you start to think about it now. This is not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Yes, it came from heaven. Yes, it met their needs for a day. I'm not here to meet your needs for a day. I'm here to meet your needs for eternity. Feast on the word. And the last verse in this paragraph says, Jesus said these things while he was teaching at the synagogue in Capernaum. It's his assignment. He's their rabbi. And he's been assigned to the little synagogue at Capernaum as his first assignment. And word has gotten out that he's teaching some radical stuff. And so his teachers, probably the guys who taught him the Jewish faith, while he was coming up through rabbinical school, they come down to check him out. They come down to see if a corrective is needed. But like rabbis, they're not into dictating what you have to teach. They just ask questions to try and discern whether there's truth to what you're saying or not. And so, interestingly enough, John shows them asking each other these questions, arguing among themselves. Jesus hears or knows what they're arguing about, and so he gives them an answer. But John's gospel about the Jews, his writings about the Jews are intentionally worded to show you that they're darkened. He says to Nicodemus, wait, you're the teacher of Israel and you don't even understand this? See, they're supposed to be the leaders, but they're blind. They are literally the blind leading the blind. And Jesus is trying to enlighten them, but the words that he uses require some insight, some holy connection, some leading by God, some understanding of, of what sacrifice actually accomplishes. And, and they don't have it. And they don't get it. And John was afraid that you and I wouldn't get it either. And so right off the bat, he gives you the key. The word became flesh and pitched his tent among ours. So if you're going to eat the flesh, you're going to have to ingest the word. And that's why you're here, listening to this. It's why I do this, to try and help you feast.
on the Word of God that brings life every minute of every day, of every week, of every month, of every year, for your natural lifetime and your eternal lifetime. This is the food. It's what he was talking about when the disciples came up at the well in Samaria. And he said, oh guys, I have food you know nothing about. See the connection? It all starts to make sense if you watch for the connections. I encourage you today, step out into your life, feast on his word, think on it, reflect on it, take action on it, and watch it bear fruit today.